Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the podcast. You made it once again, and Clint Casper is our guest on this one, so that's even more exciting. If you ever uh, felt bad about yourself, about your hunting, Clint Casper will make you feel that way, because he's a highly motivated individual. Uh, the podcast is presented by HHA Sports. Um, Scent Crusher, Loophold, Thermosy, Victory Archery, Gator Outdoors, Elite Archery, Big Time, Old Barn Taxidermy, and we are thankful for our partners. And that's me getting to business because this is a getting to business type of podcast, sort of. Clint is literally driving to go spend time in the backcountry by himself. And if that is not motivating for all you mother effers that are scared to walk to your stand in the dark, maybe think about where you're at in life. Right? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. You're in Illinois. You're in Iowa. You're scared of like a 35-pound coyote. (laughs) You're listening to your neighbors say he saw a koi dog run through the yard the other day, and you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Some other dude's like, I swear there's mountain lions around here. You're like, yeah, dude, there probably is. But I saw a wolf. It was black. You're like, nah, dude, it's a black German shepherd. It wasn't a wolf. (laughs) It's your neighbor's dog. (laughs) None of that exists right now. Coyote ain't going to get you. So think about that. Steve, if you're listening, he's scared of the dark. That's why I said that. He's really, terrified he, of the he dark. He just won't admit it, which is why it's funnier, because we know he is. I don't know how Clint can drive and do a podcast at the same time for how hyped up he is. Yeah, definitely. I, how many crashes do you think he almost got in? Well, I, I don't know about that, but I, I caught him on the more of the tail end of his trip rather than the beginning. So I don't know if like that he's more excited or less excited then or you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know how how he works. If you're just really jacked excited then you get tired and it wears off then you get excited as you get closer. I don't know. But anyway, that's a podcast here. It's just Clint and I bullshitting recorded last second type of thing. So literally going out and spending time in the backcountry by himself. Pretty inspiring, pretty stupid, pretty awesome all at the same time. You got kids, Clint. You got to think about these things, man. Hope you enjoy the podcast. 
I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Mutt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter podcast. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. Working class bow hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like working class bow hunter. Hey, this is Jules McQueen, and you are listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter podcast. It's really, really not that good. Good, 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 What is up? Welcome to the Working Class Bow Hunter and via road noise phone, Clint Casper. What's up, dude? <laughs> What's up, my man? I'm trying to keep the uh, the humming on the 35s down to a minimum, but uh, going 70, 75, that's kind of, that's kind of rough in the uh, in the F-150. Well, I think for where you're going and the situation that we're recording this podcast last second, I don't think anybody's going to judge you for tearing up the road, getting out to out west. This is true. I'm uh, about 16 and a half hours into my journey to Colorado, so it's it's for a good purpose that you're hearing the humming. Yeah, right. It's it's very fitting. It's very working class of you. So thank you. It, it is. It is. It is. Driving, uh, it'll be like, uh, I think it was almost 27 hours from my house to the trailhead I'm going to start at. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a working class fucking adventure, that's for sure. Okay, and you were just in Utah like a week ago. La- last week, uh, let's see, what the hell day is today? Today's last week at this time. Devin and I had just packed out Taylor's buck, and we're getting ready to, well, we've been gla- I've been glassing for Devin right now, and then about two hours from now, we would have been cooking uh, fresh backstraps over coals in the middle of the uh, Wasatch Front up in the uh, high country. So, yeah, dude, yeah. It, was, uh, it was fucking epic. Yeah, man, it was fun. It was so much fun to go out and, and uh, help them guys, and Taylor got a good buck, and we chased a couple good ones around for Dev, and... Yeah, man, it was fun. It was five, four or five days of, um, you know, just kind of like a, you know, just sort of a, you know, kind of, it's cool to be able to go out there and not have a bow and just be running the glass and, and running a walkie-talkie and, and like, bring like a different perspective of, to it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just fun. You know what I mean? Like I, I like that almost as much as I like hunting. I mean, I get so pumped up for those guys, like when they're going on stocks and when they're doing shit, like, you know, I'm trying to get stuff done and. Like, as far as help them and, and, and map out a stock and, and keep them in my glass so I can figure out where they're going. And it's like, it's it's just a whole different type of anxiety. Like, I think I get more nervous for them than I do, like, myself when I'm on a stock. Because, like, I, I just feel like I know what I'm doing as far as, like, I know what moves I'm going to make. But when I'm watching them, I'm on, a, I'm on one mountain, they're on another. And it's like, I think I know what they're going to do, but I don't know. So I'm there, like, talking to myself, like, fuck, don't move, Devin, don't move, don't move. Don't. Okay, okay, all right, he's good, he's good. Okay, go, 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 go. His head's down. Go, go, go. You know, like, I'm on the walkie, like, cover ground, cover ground. Nah, nah. Yeah, you're, like, yeah. silently coaching. Well, yeah, I guess technically yeah. sometimes you're not always silently coaching, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's cool. A lot, of times, a lot of times, you know, we'll run radios, and, um, you know, 
you're you're trying to like you know glass and guide a guy in. There it goes. Yeah, it's 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 fun, man. It's definitely fun. It was it was a hell of a good trip, and, and it's a good kind of kickoff for me before I start in on my uh, what I like to call the uh, the title fight of the year. For me, is always this Colorado trip. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. a good little. It's a good little practice, good little practice run for four or five days, covered about sixty miles. So right. definitely got definitely got after it. That's badass, man. I wish I could have gone out there. It looked like an awesome time. And I know how fun Devin is to share camp with, so I was seeing your pictures and videos, pretty jealous. But so so for most of our Midwest listeners that always want to go west or you know, planning their first trip west, it's and we've 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 done some podcasts in the past with you and I, uh, you know, staying motivated with Clint Casper, and I know that's been yep. a really popular episode. But how do you stay motivated to chase Western game, but then come back home to Whitetails? Because if someone's never done that, like gone out west, done the different style of hunting, it all seems fresh and new and exciting, and then you yep. come back home into Whitetails, which everybody loves their Whitetails, but things change a little once you start chasing them out west and come back to stand sitting yeah i mean you know honestly like i i try to just embrace every hunt for what it's worth and and not compare and contrast because i mean you know like i was in utah then i'm going to colorado chase muleys solo and then i'm gonna fly out uh like i get back for a week and then i go back to utah on a over-the-counter bull tag to go chase the rut and go chase bugles around so it's like you know i've got all, you know, I basically had three Western hunts before my whitetail season kicks off. And it's like, they're all, each one of those hunts a little bit different. Two of them solo. One of them was, you know, with buddies, um, two mule deer, one elk. So it's like, everything's, you know, it's all a different game. So I try to just look at them all like they're, they're their own hunt, you know? And, and I try not to compare. Cause I mean, realistically, if I'm being brutally honest, I mean, stand hunting for me now, if we're going to get down to the meat and potatoes, it is boring. I mean, it's, now. Yeah. I, it's boring I at first the, when you first get back, yeah. I think. But then you got to adjust back to your old ways, like your old, like, mindset. Well, for me, it's like the the sitting there, just in the 20 by 20 square, 20 feet up, like, that has, you know, kind of, that's boring to me. Because I love to, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I feel like I was built to run the glass and spot stock game. Like, I love to do that. But where whitetail hunting always has that fire, though, is the anticipation of you're playing the game, you're playing the chess match. Like, I know a buck's here. I'm on pins and needles, hoping he does what I think he's going to do. So it's like that mental game and that chess match is what I love about whitetail hunting because Western game, it's like patterns. Ah, man, I mean, it's hard to pattern an elk that can travel 10 miles in a day it's hard to pattern a mule deer that can cover 10 12 miles in a day i mean you know it they get bumped they might not be back for five days i mean it's it just it's a different type of game yeah whereas the whitetails are more strategic and i love that about it i mean so like i said i try to look at each hunt in its own different way and yeah. the thing i love about whitetails is that chess match with Usually I'm in a core area of a big buck or I'm, I'm, I'm in between bedding and feeding a transition zone or I'm, I'm hunting a fun, you know, I'm hunting something that realistically I know he's using or should be using. And it's like, you're, you're playing that waiting game. Um, and I try not to just think about the hundreds and hundreds of hours that I might be sitting in my little square. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's also different too. Like when you're, when, 
I guess when you bring into that next level of like what whitetail hunting is, when yeah, you know, yeah. it takes you a little bit. You finally find what a buck's doing, and then yep, then the game really starts. Like then you're really breaking it down, yep. and yep, and it, it gets strategic. Honest, even though you are sitting, you're it's everything else is the is the hunt really. That that's the part that I love about whitetails the most is um, the game planning as far as you know. I mean, everyone knows I'm, I'm, I'm huge on the moon phases. I'm, I'm huge on the wind. I mean, I, I love to study that. I mean, I love to try to crack that code and figure out in July, August, September, okay, this buck shows up 70% of the time in daylight on an east wind. Or, you know, um, on red moon days, he's always in daylight an hour before it's dark. You know I mean? Like, like I just, I love playing that mad scientist deal and trying to figure out what a big whitetail is going to do before he does it based off of what he likes about that farm or what he likes about that piece of ground. And um, that's really fun for me. I mean, I, that's, I get more geeked out on that than I do actually just sitting there, you know, waiting on him to come because it's like that buildup is what's, is what's fun. And a lot of times I'm chasing a specific buck or a specific couple bucks to where I'm only going to kill maybe that deer or, uh, one of two deer. So it's like, you know, that's a whole other phase that I've gotten into in the last, say, seven, eight years is hunting, uh, you know, targeting a specific buck or two. And that's really fun. That's a fun game. Cause I mean, you get, yeah. you know, you get kicked in the teeth more than you actually score. And it's like, you're, I'm constantly scratching my head, walking back to my truck going, damn it. You know, that, that, that didn't, that didn't go as planned or shit. You know, he didn't, he didn't do what I thought he would. I got to go back to the yeah. drawing board. You know, is Ohio what, a one or two buck state? No, one buck state. Thank one, God, one one buck. Yeah. So then you're even mapped out even more. Like, you know, it changes things. You know, Illinois as a resident with a bow is, you, know, you can shoot two bucks. So yeah. I, I was hunting creepy last year, but I didn't kill creepy till like almost the second week of December. So well, yeah, I would have yeah. if I would have shot that first buck. You know, it's, it just maps it out. Like I might not have shot my first buck knowing. I'm still trying to figure out what Creepy's doing, you know? Yeah. Well, then, I mean, if Steve wanted to come over and basically showed you what Creepy was doing, you never would have killed him anyway. <laughs> right. So, I mean, realistic, <laughs> yeah. realistically, like, I mean, you know, you kind of got to throw the shout out to Steve there because he pretty much put Creepy in your lap. Yeah, he did. He mapped me out. He said, hey, I hung your stand for you. It's 200 yards that way. You can't miss it. Just get in there and, and be quiet yep. and be still, and, and then you'll, yep. you'll kill him. He loves the uh, – Creepy loves the west wind, you know, high-pressure days on the half, you know, those, those – <laughs> yeah. Half red moon and up days. He's he's you know he's all over it, man. You got to hunt those days. I mean, he pretty much laid the golden road for you, which was awesome of him because he kind of owed you anyway. He did owe me. He did. So we're even. Yeah, can <laughs> Shout you, out to Steve. Can you imagine if that actually happened? It'd blow, it'd blow everybody's number mind. Number one, number one, you would never ever hear the end of that. I mean, honestly, I feel like it wouldn't even it wouldn't even be worth killing that buck because you would hear about that daily until the day he died. Oh Damn. yeah, yeah. Good thing that so, mean, something like that's not possible to happen. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I'd be like me winning an ultra marathon versus like Brian Barney. Like, it's it's just it, it will it will never happen. Could never happen. Well, I'll put it to you this way: I've I've hunted and 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 done some training with him and, and got to see his regimen. And uh, I'm not going to count you out completely, but you got a lot of work to do if you're going to go run with Brian Barney because yeah. that's a fucking madman there. Oh, I know. Yeah, there's no way. I don't have it in me for that. It's just not not what I'm into, but same same thing. It's just not what Steve's into as well. Right. So what Absolutely. are you going to Colorado for? You'll be my man. That's, 
same area as last year or what? No, this will be my fifth year in Colorado, fifth different unit. I've never hunted the same unit. No kidding. Why? Love, I, I love the unknown factor. I like the adventure. I just, you know, I, I feel like it's cool to get in a unit and find success, but realistically though, like in my opinion, you're not learning much because typically from year to year, the same basins are going to hold bucks. The same saddles are going to get used the same, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of the same and every unit's different. Every unit's got, you know, uh, timber lines at different elevation. There's green grass at elevation. You know, there's the basins sit different. You know, you got your, you know, some units there's, there's more like, uh, low land and, and desert to them than high country and vice versa. And it's just, I, you know, I'm obsessed with bow hunting mule deer, if I could only hunt one animal, and I've said this before, and I know people get mind blown because, I mean, I've always been a huge whitetail guy, and I do love whitetails, but if I could only bow hunt one animal for the rest of my life, it'd be mule deer. I mean, I just think... Mule deer in that, like, backcountry setting or what? Just anywhere, honestly. I mean, I just feel like they take you to the next level as far as adventure. I mean, like, they live in some of the gnarliest coolest places like whether it's you know i mean some of the desert stuff is is crazy what they can you know how they can endure the heat how they can live in some of those cactus flats and sagebrush and then you've got the foothills that's cool you know how they use that rolling country and then you got your high country stuff that i absolutely love high country just because i mean everywhere you look it's a picture i mean when you're hunting at 12 13 14 000 feet everywhere you look could be a postcard and i mean i just there's times where i'll be putting a stock on or I'm, I'm, you know, walking off a ridge line trying to go from one glassing point to the next. And I'll just stop and look around and be like, holy fuck, man. Like, how did I get here? Like, like, you know, like it's, it's just crazy for me to be in that setting because it's, yeah. it's just such a, such an adventure, you know, from, from start to finish. I mean, you know, that's just kind of, and that's why I like hunting different units because different units make you, I feel like, you know, stone, you know, like, like steel sharpened steel. And it's like, if I hunt different units and I hunt different areas, I'm going to be a better mule deer hunter each and every year. I'm just going to keep building and building. And, like, I want to get to the point to where there's there's no habitat or environment or place in the lower 48 that I can't go kill a big mule deer buck or go find a big buck. And, like, I just I just want to be as well-rounded. I mean, I, I plan on hunting at least one, if not two or three mule deer hunts every single year i mean i just i love it i mean it's just i've just fallen in love with that game man and you know i just i think some years you draw better tags than others and it's like on those really really good tags man you know you might only draw some of those you know top-notch units once every 10 12 years hell sometimes you might only draw one once in your life and it's like I want to hunt them every single year no matter what different units and just constantly be racking my brain on scouting and e-scouting and, and just figuring it out and then whenever i do get those tags and i get to go chase like next level giants or i'm in a unit that's got you know it's just known for multiple 200s or you know whatever the case yeah, may yeah. be it's like i feel like i'm a hundred percent ready for that like you know i've i've hunted so many different places and figured out how to find deer that this is just another unit another hunt it's just like it's not it's not as big of a deal in my mind because i'm already like done so many different ones so so what if last of, year when you killed your big boy on your way out if you saw like a 200 plus would you be like oh i'm coming back next year i'm gonna find him i did 
he was the third big that deer was the third biggest deer i i found on my trip oh yeah but i mean like so how you said you just try not to come back like oh oh i mean i mean it like there's giants in every unit so i mean i realistically like you know it would be I definitely want to hunt that unit again because I loved it. It's it's that unit last year was the prettiest place I think I've ever been. Um, like you were in you were in Wyoming this year and you got to yeah. see the the little grays and big grays area over there at Unit G, and that is beautiful. I mean, beautiful. But if you were to double that, that is what it looked like at fourteen thousand feet where I was mule deer hunting last year. This time, I mean, it was it was what you saw in Wyoming, but twice as good really I mean, it was oh yeah yep i would go back to that unit I, I let me rephrase that i will go back to that unit just because of the views there's big deer there 100 percent. but literally it, it's the prettiest place on planet earth i've ever been so far and i've i mean i've hunted damn near every western state there is yeah and it's i mean it's just it was breathtaking everywhere i was at and it was it was steep. It was rugged. I mean, you know, it was just it was just fun, man. You know, and so some, do you some ever feel? Just, do you ever feel like Colorado? Because everyone wants to go out west, and Colorado's like the closest, like big time western state. You know, they have a huge elk population, tons of mule deer. Like Colorado, pretty much has everything. If you think about it, um, do you think? Like when you're out there, do you run into a lot of people? Do you think it's getting crowded in Colorado, or what's kind of your outlook on that? Oh, I mean, there's. There's tons of people. I mean, if it's a lot of it's hikers, bikers. I mean, I've been in units where it was nothing to see 30, 40 people on a Saturday. No, I mean, you no just. Shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, the second year I was in Colorado solo. Um, so there was this like, I don't even know what the terminology is, but like a, it was like a hike, bike, jog. It's not a triathlon because there wasn't like swimming. It's like, like a little expedition or something. Yeah, and dude, there were like a hundred contestants that were running around this course, maybe two miles from where I was at. I was watching them through my spotter, and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> did that make you get, all, get the hell out of there? Or like, what was your mindset? Like, nah, when you see shit like that, you know, it's got to be so, nah, kind of frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating, but I mean, animals get used to it. I mean, I just, I just shifted over a couple, couple basins and, and tried to find some, some basins that had a, um, had more cover to them and just had some more hidey hole, like cliffy type shit with a lot of shadows in it where deer could get into and just really feel like they were going to be hidden. And I mean, yeah. within a day, you know, within a day I got back into bucks and stuff, but it was just, that's the thing about that though is man you just got to be able to like adapt and that that's what's yeah. so cool um that's the one thing i love about solo hunting is it's like you you don't bounce ideas off of anybody you know what i mean like like you just like i'm i'm out there and all spring and summer you know you're training you're shooting you're preparing you're planning you're yeah. you're thinking about shit and then once i actually get here yeah and i and i cut my legs loose like there's no planning. It's just react. It's it's just react. Like as right, I'm as right. I'm going, you know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever I whatever I run into, it's it's now on me to just react to it. And I and and how I react to it is how I react to it. You know, it might be totally different than what Brian would do, or you would do, or Devin would do, or Dan would do, or whatever. But like 
that's what I love about it, though, is it's all going to ride or die on me, and, and, and I will sink or swim off of my own beliefs and my own judgment. And for me, like, dealing with people, dealing with pressure, figuring out how to overcome that and how to adapt and react to that, like, as fucking crazy as that sounds, like, I love that shit. Like, like yeah, I, like, I get that. Like, I like the adversity. You know what I mean, like, I like but, having to... Well, when you go out solo like this, like... Do you miss like the fellowship of camp and stuff when you're solo, or do you kind of enjoy the um, like? Do you enjoy like the grit of like I'm by myself, like I'm doing it, like this is not something yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I um, don't get me wrong. I mean, like, like for you know those five days, man. Me and me and Devin were teamed up, and then we teamed up with our buddy Taylor the day he killed his buck. And I mean, fuck, dude, that that was a blast, man. I mean, you can't be hunting with your buddies up on a mountain and, and chasing muleys around. And I mean, that was fun as hell, but the solo thing, man, what, it, it's, you know, it's one of those things like it's not built for everybody. And I, I get asked this a lot. I mean, at least a couple times a week, you know, um, it's not for everybody. I mean, it's really not, you know, it, it's, um, I tell everybody to go try it because you'll never know if you don't try it. But yeah, like, how would you know? Yeah. Like you just won't. Cause there's nothing like it. Like, you know, for me, I just think it's cool that from start to finish, it's me versus me. Like, it's not – this hunt will not come down to me versus a mule deer, me versus a mountain, uh, me versus a storm. It'll come down to me versus me. Like, like mentally, mentally or what? Oh, 100%. Mentally and physically. Like, it, it, I mean, I know going into this, I'll have times where I'm going to be frustrated. I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to be – wishing I had somebody to bounce an idea off of, or, um, I'm going to be bored or I'm, I'm going to have, you know, have a lonely spell or, you know, you're sitting out there and, and you're, you spend all day glass and all day hiking and, and you might go two or three days and not see what you want. And it's like, you're, you're scratching your head. Like, you know, fuck man, like what, you know, what am I doing? But it's like, that's the stuff though, where, it's you versus you. Like you got to be in your own head and keep yourself motivated, keep yourself hungry, keep yourself, you know, basically keep that engine running because sooner or later, like you're going to get your opportunity. And it's like, you know, I've always said, you know, persistence and patience will eventually pay off and that'll breed success. Now success might come in to you get one stock and that's not going to be a guaranteed on a shot, but like, in my head, I all I can ask for is one solid stock attempt. And, I mean, I treat everyone like it's the last fucking one I'm ever going to do in my life. I mean, yeah. from start to finish, there is, like, if I think a stock's going to be half-assed or there's not a good way for me to do it, I just, I'm, I'm not doing it. Like, it's either I'm yeah. all in or I'm not or I'm not going. Isn't that like the saying you always hear people did, don't waste time on low-percentage stocks? Yeah, well, that, and I mean, like, it's it's got to be a stock that, you know, you're just 100%, like, you know in the back of your head your abilities and, and you're mentally, like, okay, yep, this is it. Like, this is the one. Like, this is my play, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I just, I the solo thing, you know, it's, it's a, I think it's 99% mental because you can. You 100%. Can down, I can see that all day. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean you can you can get yourself out of the game so quick. Like you have a bad day on the mountain, you're just frustrated, you're tired, you're hungry. I mean, fuck, I'm I'm sleeping in deer beds, I'm sleeping in elk beds. You're you're on the side of 
you know, up cliffs all day and you're, you're crawling around the rocks and you're, you know, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parts to these hunts that aren't fun, but it's that, you know, two hours on a stock that you get to spend or, or it's whenever you yeah. do score, you're packing out and you got your buck on your back and you're just like, fuck man, I did it. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's, you've got to keep into perspective why you're there. Like I'm out here doing this because I just absolutely fucking love it. From, you know, start to finish the adventure from jumping in my truck, going out there hunting and driving back till I get out and step on my sidewalk at my house. Like it's, it's an adventure from start to finish. And I, I, I love that. And that's sometimes you got to like remind yourself as to, what the hell you're doing, why you're doing it. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's easy to kind of forget that, but Taking the old I'm, you know, I'm my biggest critic and I always have been. So it's like, I, I hold myself super accountable for my headspace and, and how I think. And it's like, man, the minute I even start to feel like, ah, fuck, I'm getting a little negative. Like, dude, I knocked that shit out. Right. I mean, yeah. immediately, dude, like, I mean, I, you know, I, it sounds psycho, but I have had many a talks with myself on the side of, on the sides of fucking mountains. I'm just like, Clint, don't you even start your bullshit. Like you ain't fucking, you know, like this is it, dude. Like don't even start in on this shit. Like, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but I treat this stuff as like, you know, it's a freaking business. You know, it's, it's a, it's a business trip. You know, I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but I flip that switch. Like my switch hunting with buddies versus my switch in solo mode. It's a different switch. I like, can see that a, for sure. Well, too, it's, it's like a, you guys like us, when we take our vacation, we're not really like, yeah, we're doing what we want to do, but it's not really a vacation. Like we're, we're probably working harder on the hunt than we would at work. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's never a day at home that I'm going to drop and gain 3000 feet of elevation and walk 14 miles. Never, never. I mean, I couldn't do that at home if I wanted to do that. Right. And I'm, and, and, and I mean, like the other day, me and Devin walked 14 mile. We had to drop down 1500 feet. We got 300 ounces of water, which is like 30 some pounds or whatever. And had to go back up 1500 feet to get back up to our camp. Mm-hmm. Mind you, that's 3000 feet of elevation gained and lost 15 miles. I mean, dude, we were fucking beat, but I mean, that was the closest water source. Like, you, I mean, there was, you know, like, but up there, there was nowhere to get water. That was it. Yeah. I mean, there was one. There was one spot, so we had to drop down and get it. And it's like, it was straight down, straight up. I mean, it was miserable. But now, back at home, I'm never going to have to do that. Never even have to do anything <laughs> even remotely close to that. So <laughs> right. it's like, you know, nor could you if you had to. No, hell no, dude. I live at like 580 freaking feet of elevation. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, same here in Illinois. But yeah. What? Well, hey, right. what's your goal for deer on this trip? I mean. Are you just looking for a mature buck, or are you trying to break that yep, that nope. one sixty mark, one seventy mark? I mean, I would like to. I would, you know, solid, solid, you know, four or five year old or older buck. I would love to be in that one seventy and up. I mean, you know, that's typically a stud four by four. That's say four or five. You know, that's yeah. just a straight typical. I mean, he's going to be right there in that one seventy and up mark. You know, usually, but I mean. Dude, honestly, like, it, it's, you know, so much of that is, is just situational. I mean, I've seen 150-inch three, you know, three-by-threes that are 30 inches wide, and they're not going to score for shit, but just monstrosity of a deer that I would have I would have shot all day and been just as thrilled as the buck I killed last year. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, so it's just kind of one of them things, man. I'm just, 
I'm just so hungry for that that freaking opportunity, dude. Like, I just I cannot wait to have the bow in my hand and be like, okay, yep, I got embedded. It's one o'clock. Thermals are rising. Winds in my face. Fucking here we go, dude. Strap them up. It's, it's I just I can't wait to send it on that freaking you know that first one, dude. I just I, yeah. I'm so stoked. What are you expecting in this unit? I mean, is it a notoriously steep unit? Is it kind of got a mix of everything or? I mean, I, um, I I got lucky enough to see roughly where you killed your deer last year. You know, we we chatted and whoop, talked through Onyx, whoop. and it looked very steep and uh, and difficult. <laughs> so, what, um, how's this unit compared to that one? So it's it's down in the same area, so very um, very similar. Um, you know, you're going to be camping, hunting, hiking, pretty much living at thirteen thousand and up, um, typically for probably most of the hunt um so you know you you're, you're going to play into the weather um every day i'll see sunshine that'll burn the back of your hands i'll see hail i'll see snow i'll see a rainbow i'll see wind i'll see lightning which i fucking hate and i'll see um you know uh, high winds i mean that's just every day you know i mean it's it's it's, it's high country it's so I mean that's when you when, know when you're doing a hunt like that and you're back in there, give me a ballpark range on how how many deer would you say you'll see a day? Man, it's it's hard to say because like you know, a lot of times you might run into a bachelor group of bucks that say there's five or six bucks and they might be the only deer in a basin, but one of those is gonna be a buck you'd kill. So you're gonna babysit that that group, like, my eyes won't even leave that basin all day. So it's like, you know what I mean? It kind of, it, it just, it, it depends. I mean, I might have to look at, so let's say on a, on a, on a Tuesday, my first glassing point, I glass till eight o'clock. I see seven, eight deer, nothing that's worthwhile. I move, go to the next spot at nine o'clock. Now I'm, I'm, I'm basically catching bucks and toes that are, either have fed and now they've gotten up one last time or they're they're feeding late working into where they're going to bed for the day or i'm trying to glass them already bedded you might see another seven eight deer so yeah i've seen 16 deer now but i haven't found the one you could do that all day and see 30 40 deer or if you're in a spot where there's no deer you could do that all day and not see a fucking deer i mean it just yeah, yeah. You know what i mean like 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 you've got to kind of what i like to do is when i find deer I like to take note of where they're at, elevation, what they're feeding on. Um, that stuff will play into your hand no matter where you're at in that unit because if a lot of deer are feeding at 13,000 to 12,8, that tells me that the, the super lush, like the greenest grass right now is actually a little bit lower than the upper part of that, which is probably like 13,8. So the grass will start to brown off the higher it is because it's closer to the sun. So as that as that green lush feed line starts to work down the mountain, so will the deer. So mm. I pay you know like I pay attention to that. Like I might not be finding a big buck, but if I'm finding deer at a certain level, that's the level that probably all the deer in the unit are going to be at right now because that's where the feed's at. And I mean, I'm going to use a term from the man himself, old, old Brian Barney. You know. The deer are where the deer like to be. The elk are where the elk like to be. I mean, you can you can look at a spot and go, God, this looks great. But if you glass it for all morning and don't see a deer, chances are there's just not a fucking deer in there. So mm-hmm. realistically, like, 
you can sit there and hope and pray and try to make one appear, but realistically, you're wasting your time. I mean, it's like, you know, you got to go find deer. And then once you find deer, I'm constantly asking myself, okay, why are deer here? Like, where, where, you know, maybe it's a, uh, it's a north facing slope. Um, and there's a lot of snow runoff, which is creating a ton of green feed and they're at 13,000 feet. So now I'm going to get on Onyx or I'm going to get on Go Hunter. I'm going to get on my phone and I'm going to start looking for basins and spots that look exactly like this. That's close to me because chances are those same spots connect the dots are going to have deer in them like this spot does. Yeah. Yeah. So run me through like a day you get up. You know, it's getting daylight. Are you getting up to a spot to glass for what, you know, deer 30 in the morning and deer 30 in the afternoon and then getting to your destination or changing destination middle of the day or, you know? So I try to be up, you know, roughly two, two and a half hours before it's going to crack daylight. I want to be on. You don't get a lot of sleep on these hunts because I don't leave the mountain until it's dark, and then you've usually got an hour or so hike back to your camp or however long, depending on how far out you are. You get back, you grab something to eat, you sleep a few hours, and then it's time to get up and do it all over again. So I like to – I try to shoot for five hours of sleep. Six is great. A lot of times six and seven doesn't happen. Um, it's usually more of that five to six range, but that's just kind of what you got to run on. It seems like that's kind of where I'm always at. So I get up. And I've already got a glassing point determined. I want to get there well before daylight, be set up to where as soon as the lights come on, I'm there, I'm ready. I'm going to glass for, if I'm seeing deer, I'm going to continue to sit there for an hour, two, two and a half, three hours until I feel like I've seen every deer there. If I'm not seeing deer, um, after an hour or two, typically that means there's not deer there, I'm going to make a move. Um, if I'm in a, a spot where there's a lot of deer and I feel like there's more deer in there. I just haven't found a big buck, but for whatever reason, I just have that feeling like there's a big buck in that basin. I might stay all day, but I will move around and mule deer hunting glassing wise is a game of angles. You know, mm-hmm. you could be glassing, you, you could be glassing North and see 10 deer. And then you, you get an angle from the East and now you're looking at that, hillside or that basin or that rock slide from a different angle and you pick up three or four more deer so it's like when i get to an area that i'm like okay i'm gonna spend the day here like i've got a big buck in here or i'm pretty sure there is a big buck in here or i just feel like i need to spend all day i'm gonna pick four or five points that i can glass from different angles and i'm gonna cover that sucker from a to z z to a one to 10, 10 to one. I mean, th- there will be no stone left unturned. I'm going to run my, I love to glass with my binos on a tripod. And then once I've covered everything with that, I'm going to put my, my big spotter on. And now I'm going to start picking apart shadows. I'm going to pick apart, mm. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick apart cliffs. I'm going to pick apart the rock bands. And I'm literally going to now pick the same hillside apart with my spotter. Then if I'm still feeling confident and I feel like, okay, this is my spot. I, I need to, st- I'm going to stay here all day. I'm going to get a different angle and do the same thing again. I'm going to run it all with my binos. I'm going to take a little break, eat a snack. I'm going to put the spotter on and I'm going to cover that son of a bitch the whole way with my spotter. Let me ask you this, Clint, because I'm, you know, I'm getting more into the Western game as the years go by. Yep. You're someone that's uh, way more seasoned in it than me. Uh, you're the most Western dude in the Midwest that's without ever living out there is, is what it seems. But so I've discovered, 
what good good quality glass is. Um, you know, we work with yep. Loophole. Absolutely love. And I know yep. you, you're not a Loophole guy, but I am. Oh, I absolutely good, love it. Good uh, glass. I mean, I've I've had their stuff in the past. I mean, quality. You know, for the money, quality. I mean, can't go wrong with any of their stuff. I've run their binos before. Their range finders. I mean, it, it definitely, definitely solid stuff. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed. Like, I'm kind of. I just love it. Like, I don't know. I love yep. handling my binos. It's kind of just like a, I feel naked without them now. And yep, I never used to. Hunt, I never used to hunt with binos attached to me. Now they don't leave me. You know, it's it's a, something yep. that is now the top one of the top tools. You know, I got my my loophole binos, the rangefinder, everything on my harness, and I'm good to go. Well, I just got a spotting scope, and I'm kind of in the market for a good tripod. And, se- and set up like that. So, like, what do you Ooh. use? Because you said you use your binos on a tripod to 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 look, yep. and then you switch out and put your spotter on. So, are you using the same tripod, or how does this all work? Yep, yep. So, I've got a um, I've got a Suru. Um, it's a O twenty four, and which is just a model, but basically it'll fold. So it's a uh, it's all carbon. Uh, it's got three sections of legs. It's got a really, really, really good fluid head on it. Um, it's got a Suru uh, VA5 fluid head. So it'll fold down from like 16 inches all the way to like 58. So you could, uh, 99% of your glass is going to be sitting down. Ton of adjustability, um, super lightweight. What I do is I've got a, a bino adapter that I can plug right into the head. My binos sit on it. I run a strap over it, and now my binos are now on my tripod. So when I want to switch to my spotter, I take my binos off, put them back in my my harness on my chest. I switch out my adapter. So I take the bino adapter off my fluid head. takes one second. Switch it out. Put my spotter on. It's already got an adapter hooked, adapter plate hooked on the bottom of it. Within two seconds, I can go from my bino adapter to my spotting scope on the tripod. Boom! You're back in the game, ready to go. How so much does that tripod run? Because I'm, you can spend as um, much as you want on just like glass. You know, however much you want to spend, you can spend on so it. So the tripod. If you don't know the top of your head, we can just talk about it later. Because I want to, I want to look in a good I one. I think it's. I think it. I think. I think right now on Go Hunt, you can get that sucker. The combo. The so the head, fluid head, and the legs. Um. I think it's either two ninety nine or three ninety nine. Goo, but I bet you it's worth it. It's got to be. Oh, worth it. it's one a uh, hundred, yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, yep. And then the adapter plates are like thirty bucks. So I've got an adapter plate for my Canon camera. I got an adapter plate for my bino, uh, my my bino adapter, and then I've got an adapter plate for my spotter. So I got three adapter plates to where I can switch all those within a second. Just boom, 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 and then you've got your fluid head and your uh, your tripod. But the biggest thing is is a lot of people want to skimp on, um, you know, they'll, they'll buy a good spotter, then they skimp on a tripod, and, and here's what you run into. You run into a shitty tripod that, that the fluid heads, either the fluid head sucks and the legs are okay, or the legs suck and the fluid head's, you know, <laughs> yeah. r- really good. And it's like, it does you no good to have sweet glass and have the accessories, but have uh, a shitty head or uh, a shitty set of legs because that's that's your foundation. So it would be like you buying a badass truck, but you put recapped used tires on it and expect to go travel for the next three years. 
not blow them out. Oh, dude. I mean, that's basically yeah. what, it's basically like, it's the same thing. That's why you I'm know, in the market like, for okay. a good tripod. You know, I bust this badass loophole spotting scope out of the package and throw it on my shitty tripod yep. and thing sitting there bouncing. And I'm just well, like. Well, that's another thing, like, you know, for, for, uh, for wind, you know, you've got to have something that's, that's heavy enough to support you as far as it's not blowing all over the place. Now, the nice thing about this Suru, it's got a hook on the bottom. So if it's really, really windy, I'll take my Nalgene bottle or my pack and I hook it to the bottom to where it's just even more stability to where, like, there's absolutely oh. no way you're going to, yeah, which is, which is really nice, really cool feature. Just um, weighs but, it down more. Yep. So basically, like, I could hook 32 ounces of water to the bottom of that tripod to give it more weight to where I can make, because glassing is all about being steady and being being able to be really fluid in your motions. Like, I mean, there's days where I'm behind the glass six, seven hours. I mean, literally, you're burning your eyes out. That's why I tell people, buy the best glass you can afford, because mm-hmm. if you've got, if you have shitty glass or you've got a shitty glassing setup, you're only going to be able to do it for an hour or two, and you're literally going to have a screwed up back, a screwed up neck. You know, you're going to be so frustrated. And if you're not going to kill mule deer without glass, I mean, if you're going to get into them, you know, with elk, totally different game. You're not relying on glass. I mean, honestly, a lot of my elk hunts, I don't even bring a spotter with me. I'm just running my 11 by 45 binos on a tripod. Mm-hmm. I don't even fuck with a spotter. But mule deer, you're picking apart shadows, and it's a spot and stop game where you've got to know where they're at. I mean, it's there's no calling. You're not running and gunning like it's a it's a glassers game. So that setup has to be like I, honestly, I would rather my glassing setup be top notch and have a mid level bow than the other way around. Hundred percent. I can see that one. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. That's that's something I'm gonna do. I just need to. I was trying to research like tripods and stuff like that, and you know, then I want to get a phone scope so I can just you know add, oh, yeah, add to dude, the fun I, of it. But. Oh, phone scopes are awesome, man. I love. I yeah. I'll be getting some good phone scope footage um, on this trip. I just got uh, their, their new adapter for my. Uh, um, I run all Maven stuff, like you know, but I, I got their big eighty millimeter spotter. So I can really, uh, yeah, man, I can I can zoom in and, and like pick, count freaking hairs on uh, deer's noses with that thing. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting some really good phone scope footage to be able to share with everybody and yeah, throw it on a story and stuff. My plan was to get a phone scope set up for my old phone so I can take that with me and have that full battery charged for just taking photos and video through the phone scope. So yep. I'm going to yep. buy the, adap- the the case this week, but, and I was going to get the universal adapter so I could put it on my binos and my spotter. Uh, yep. Then they're all out of them online. So the, I, got, uh, I got hosed. I'll make sure I send you some screenshots of uh, the stuff I got, and then that way you can, you can check it out. Um, well, I can post it with this episode if I got the okay. Yep. Um, yep. but that's cool. I know I like that optics talk because it's something I never played into my game until I started hunting out west. But oh, then yeah. I realized like how one, it's more fun. Like if you're sitting in a tree stand, like you can just look at things, or mm-hmm. you, you might see something, you can look and like really confirm what it is or isn't. Um, but even like seeing like a deer or a buck come in from a distance, you know, I like I'll watch them and just kind of see what they got going on. And then, I mean, you know, there's some deer from a distance. You're like, oh man, that might be a shooter. And you look in, you're like, oh well, his two's busted. I didn't see that and it's not really yep. what I'm looking for, you know. Whatever you're, whatever you're after, um, I I love having my binos. It's it adds like a layer of confidence. It just feels a part of me. I put my wind checker on there. You can slide your phone in the back, like pocket, and all that's great. Yep, and I mean honestly, 
I use my binos a lot in the whitetail woods and the turkey woods to pass the time. I mean, yeah. I'll get up, you know, I'll get my 11 by 45s out and I'll start scoping out rubs and scrapes across the woodlot or, oh man, you know, the farmer down the road's taking off corn and beans. I'll check him out. And I mean, like, honestly, like I'm always panning around, like when nothing's going on, I'm always looking at shit and, and just like passing the time by damn near scouting with my glass. Like, you know, I'll start looking at the edge of fields, like, man, can I see any scrapes from here or rubs or, you know, or, or, yeah. Oh, dude, you know, uh, I'm hunting deer, but there's a big flock of turkeys over there. You know, how many long beards is in that group? Like, you know, just, just kind of, well, that too, like low light when you see like something, like, oh, there's something out there, Oh, but yeah. I think it's a buck, you know, and then you can put a yep. put glass on them. Like, oh shit, that's a pretty good buck. But you, it, they let absolutely. in more light than your eyes ever will at sometimes, you know? So, oh, absolutely, dude. And that's the thing is, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people, they don't understand I shouldn't say understand. They're not harnessing the power of what optics can actually do for you in the woods. I mean, I can't tell you how many times uh, my binos just just hold just just freehanding them. How many times that has saved me on a buck or a bird or even out west? I mean, like for example, like when I'm on a stock, I am constantly scanning for like I like so. Um, I start my stock. We'll say it's it's midday. I got this buck bedded. It's 250 yards out. He's in this rock band. I got to go out around a basin, come up over the saddle, and drop in from above. That's that's my plan. I'm gonna have the you know it's it's the middle of the day, so your thermals are rising. They're going up the mountain. Your winds are you know your your wind and thermals are gonna be in your face. I'm gonna drop straight down on him, and and kill him. Okay, so I know where the buck's at. I know where his buddies are at. Now my biggest concern is bumping does that I don't know are there, bumping elk that I don't know are there. Maybe you, you know, maybe you blow a freaking, um, you blow a bunch of freaking grouse or whatever off. This. I mean, I am constantly scanning out in front of me for other animals because the last thing you want is to get to 100 yards and blow out two cow elk that blow up over top of that saddle and take, as soon as they come flying up over their hauling ass, every mule deer in that basin knows something's up. They're out of there. So it's like just just stuff like that that no one thinks of. Like I am constantly scanning on my stocks with those binos. I'd probably use my binos to scan as much as I'm using my wind checker to check my wind and thermals, and, I, and I've constantly got that freaking thing out. But I would say those two things are almost simultaneously used I'm checking the wind, I'm scanning. I'm checking the wind, I'm scanning. I mean, it's just a constant back and forth the entire way on that stock. Without those, you're just focusing on your eyes, hoping to pick up movement. I'm trying to find shit that's bedded that I can reroute myself and be like, okay, I got to stop right here. I can't go any further. I got to wait for this doe and fawn to get up and move, or I've got to go a different route. Like, I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've had I've had stocks get blown up because – of another animal that I didn't even know was there because I wasn't using my binos enough. And I, I was actually going too fast, not scanning and not harnessing the power of what's right on my freaking chest. Oh dude. And also think like once you shoot an animal for recovery, Oh God. Yeah. That yeah. almost might be, I mean, one that helps First you get there, but yep. it, it could be more important. Like a couple of my bucks I shot the last couple of years, i you know, you can get confirmation on what's going on. Like, I went over the hill, I saw a creepy piled up, but I'm like, ah, I'm going to check on him for a minute one step further. 
And yep. you can go through and be like, all right, yeah, confirmed, it's, it's done. Yep. And then, yep. uh, well, I mean, 2018, my buck, he went over. I was unsure about the hit. It was a, uh, he was quartering away. It was actually ended up being a perfect shot, but you know how you do that in your own head. You start doubting yourself. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. uh, I knew we ran into this flat, low, low spot. And I'm like, man, he's got to be in here somewhere. If, you know, I didn't see him come out the other side. So I scanned it with my binos back and forth, back and forth. And then boom, there he is. I could see a rack sticking up. And that's how I, you know, it's just that stuff that, you know, I might have backed out being unsure or too scared to continue. But something like that, I can't see with my naked eye can really, uh, it can change, it can definitely change things on a hunt for you in in a flash. Oh, yeah. I, I agree 100%. I, um, I've trained myself, and even even in practice, I do this. The minute I shoot an arrow, my bow comes down, my binos come out, and they go on top of my top cam, and I use my bow and my top cam to steady my binos to see. I, I literally do that no matter whether I'm in the backyard or I'm out because I immediately want to train myself to go to those binos to get on the animal to see where I hit, where's blood, what's it looking like, like, that, that's just, that's the first thing I do. The minute that shot breaks, the bow's going down, the binos are going on the top cam. I'm using the bow to actually like steady myself like a tripod. Yeah. Tight against my body. Yeah. And, see like tournament archers doing that all the time. Oh yeah. Yep. And I mean, honestly, like, well, I picked up on that whenever I used to shoot, whenever I had my pro card and was shooting indoors, five spot in Vegas, you know, you're shooting at quarters. You're constantly trying to see okay, do I need to make any clicks? Am I, am I shooting just a touch right? Am I shooting a touch le- You know, you're, you're constantly, the minute you shoot an arrow, and it's timed, so you don't have all day to shoot your three or shoot your five, so you got to kind of be quick about it. So you learn. I picked up on that, honestly, shooting tournaments, and, and that was like the quickest way to figure out, instead of trying to freehand it and set your bow down, you use your bow to actually steady yourself, put your binos on top of the cam. And in the hunting world, it works great because there, again, you know, you can use that to steady yourself and you don't have to drop your bow or set your bow down. Like you can just do it all in one motion in one second. You're, yeah. you know, you're back in the game and you're now you're on your animal trying to see what the hell's going on. So, Fuck but yeah, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on, man. I mean, after the shot, that's maybe one of the most important reasons to have a good set of binos is to see what the hell actually took place. Yeah. Yeah. So that's gotta be the tip of this episode is like, if you're going to do optics or if you don't have optics, get them. And then invest in ones, I guess, yep. is it fair to say invest in the best ones you can afford? 110%. I, w- I would tell you to buy a, a mid-level um, bow or a, a mid-grade set of arrows or, um, you know, the, uh, you know. Uh, in, uh, uh, any equipment. Like a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like a site. I mean, that stuff's important. Yes, don't get me wrong. Like, it is. But. Maybe instead of buying the site that has every bell and whistle for 400, you buy the one that's 200 that has second and third, but it doesn't have micro adjust. But you take that extra 200 bucks and you buy a better set of binoculars that's like one grade up. Or instead of buying an eight by 42, you buy the 10 by 42 because it's got a better field of view and it's got more magnification. Like, you know, find ways to make that happen and, and get the best optics you can absolutely afford. In the long run, you'll be happy you did because that'll pay off more than having the site that's got a few more bells and whistles or having, you know, uh, the flashier looking stabilizer set or the arrows that have the cool wraps on them or whatever the hell the case may be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good tip, I think. And I didn't know that beforehand. 
and I always looked at uh, I always looked at prices on optics as being like insane at sometimes. Like, oh man, oh yeah, you know. Oh, but dude, you can you can wrap up thousands in in ten minutes, thousands. Yeah, but you know, it is my binos are on me more than any any other piece of equipment I have now. You know, oh, like yeah. I went yep. out and scouted a piece this morning, and I could see a lot more in scouting this piece that I've never been on from a distance than I would going in there and jacking everything up right out the gate, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, Absolutely. And so. I mean, you know, it's, there's so many different valuable options on optics that we could spend five hours talking about the benefits of them. I mean, there, there is literally no negative. I mean, there's like, I've never went into the woods or went to a mountain or went to a 3d shoot or went on a hunt and was like, damn, I wish I didn't have my binos. I mean, <laughs> right. never, you're never like, you're never going to do that. I like, feel naked without them, man. I can't. Like, it eats oh, me alive yeah. if I forget them. Like, if I'm like, ah, shit, I left them in my scent crusher closet or whatever, and I dip out, and I'm like, yeah, yep. I feel absolutely just useless right now. Yep, absolutely, man, for sure. Well, I agree. Well, man, I think the optic talk, optic talk was good, you know, for guys who have never been out west or are planning to go out west if they haven't yep. uh, had the optics discussion. I feel like that's always super important uh, to kind of open your eyes to. But I mean, yep. other than that, man, what's what else? What's after Colorado? Like, what's the the next big game plan? So um, I'm, I'm out here for up to two weeks. Um, hopefully, get it done, and I don't I don't need that long. But we'll we'll grind through it and do what we got to do. And then uh, 17th, head back to Utah on an over the counter bull tag. So super pumped to uh, oh elk. Yep, super pumped to go out there, man. Um, I'm going to go in solo. I'm sure Devin and some of them guys will probably come up and, and, and bump into me a little bit um, during the week. But going to spend six or seven days out there, man, chasing bugles. Fucking so stoked to get out there. I didn't get to hunt elk last year. God, um, dude, we got to do an elk hunt together. I got so, points brewing oh, up out yeah, there. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I, did, I, I applied for a tag. I didn't get it, so I picked up an over-the-counter tag. Um, man, just stoked, dude. So stoked to get out there. And, and, and it's going to be right in the middle of a rut. I mean, bulls should just be freaking going nuts and then um my whitetail season will kick off like three days after i get back for that and then i think right around halloween i'm gonna go back to utah and go hunt mule deer go 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 catch the mule deer rut um probably hook up with Devin and jason and all them guys man and, and go give it hell for a week and and um you try to fill that tag i mean i had so much fun last year man that Didn't that mule deer after, rut man. Yeah, man, that, that mule deer rut, dude. That's just, it's just fun. Gosh dang, it's fun, man. I mean, I just, I have, you know, everyone's like, I can't believe you're going to leave the whitetail rut. And I'm like, I'll be honest, man. It's always there, I, though. Yeah, well, it's there. And I'll be honest, dude. I, I like early and late. I mean, like, I, I like patterns and I love to hunt, like, the chess match and the rut's fun because it's unknown. But I mean, honestly, like, I don't, I don't feel bad missing it, dude. Like, yeah, I get that, but I would, I would rather chase the muley rut. Um, it's more intense. There's just there's just more to it. And I'm honestly, like, I'll be out there enjoying myself, and I'll never once be like, fuck, I wish I was at home in a tree right now. Whereas if I was at home in a tree, I'd be like, Devin, what'd you see? What? How many bucks you run into today? You know, uh, what'd yeah, you call yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's just <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, that, that hey, muley rut, that. dude. It's intense. It's, I mean, anyone that wants to go hunt a deer rut and, and see like hardcore rutting activity, you need to hunt coos deer or hunt mule deer because they rut hard. Like 
double what double any whitetail rut that I've seen. I mean, I watched bucks fight, chase, growl, frick. I mean, dude, it, it's like I saw more rutting action last year in one week in Utah than I have seen in Ohio, PA, Kentucky, and Illinois in the last ten years. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's as far as like the aggressive like rut behavior of just full you know full bore like throw caution to the wind all that they're worried about is the does man it's just like i don't know i mean and i i think around my neck of the woods in ohio we have a lot of does and that definitely doesn't help your rut i mean it's good to have does but when the numbers are out of whack i mean it's it's not helping i mean it's not helping you at all because they don't have to compete they don't fight they don't like that desire to breed they're just like oh okay so Julie's over here with those three bucks. Oh, fuck it. I'll just go over here and breed Beth. She's right over the hill. Like, <laughs> right, it's, right. it's fine. You know, it's fine. Like, whereas out there, you know, there might be one or two does in a square mile that's in heat. Guess what? There's 15 bucks in that basin just absolutely going wild because there's not 97 does that live there. You know what I mean? There's like yeah, a, yeah. a couple little groups. It's just... It's just, it's all spread out different, you know, like the does aren't all clustered together in one just spot. So you got bucks constantly bouncing back and forth and, and really seeking, really searching. And, you know, it's just, yeah, man, it's, and dude, that's such a run and gun game. You're just covering miles and miles trying to find the rut party. Yeah, and once yeah. you find it, and once you find it, dude, you're like, if you find it at six o'clock in the morning or three <sighs> o'clock in the afternoon, like you're in it till dark. I mean, those bucks are just going to chase. The does are going to run. I mean, like, you're just freaking going for it. Like, and, and I just, that's fun, man. I just, I love that shit. Yeah, I got to get out there and do another archery or do like a oh, good archery dude. mule deer hunt. Yeah. I'm craving another elk hunt, man. But I, yeah, I got oh, point. I got dude. Utah points. I want to, I want to start yeah. applying for units, you know? Yeah, hell yeah. And dude, you, you could draw over the counter tags in Utah any year, dude. Any year over the counter. I'm thinking and, next and, year I'm going to go. Yeah. You should. You so. should, dude. You definitely should. I mean, there's the best way to learn how to elk hunt is elk hunt. The best way to learn how to mule deer hunt is mule deer hunt. I mean, and I, I, I'll stand by that because I've got my teeth kicked in for years. But And by no means am I like what I would consider a, a great elk hunter or a great mule deer hunter. But I am, you know, at this point, I would say I am an average or maybe a little better. And that's a far cry from where I was three years ago. But that's because... I have started at the bottom rung and worked my way up and I've figured it out by getting my ass kicked. What works, what doesn't. And that's, if you want to get good at anything, that's what you got to do. I guess that's just all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I need to, I need to start mapping some stuff out and seeing where I want to go and all that. But it's, uh, I got to figure it all out. I haven't thought that far ahead yet. You know, I'm, we can do some planning, dude. We need to just, yeah, we, we need to just pet, we need to just plan and just, well, let's do it. When you get back from Colorado, let's, uh, Pencil it out and, and, and just, just. Yeah, you must be getting further west because you're starting to cut out, which that's it's a good sign for you. And uh, he can't hear anything I'm saying, I don't think. But did you hear any of that? No, repeat that. Oh, I said, uh, I was kind of just talking to the listeners like, oh, he's losing service. He must be getting further west. No, dude, it says I've got three bars of 4G. Oh, you're cutting out. It's all no good. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's yeah. all good, man. But yeah, dude, that's awesome, and I hope you have a safe trip, especially two weeks by yourself. Um, but hopefully, you kill one early, and you can save some of your time off and apply it elsewhere. 
Beautiful. <laughs> Road trip podcast. Yeah. Did you hear me? I dude, I, I I can't believe I'm cutting out because I've got four bars of freaking four G. So that's crazy. I guess I guess that's God telling us it's time to wrap it. Yeah, I guess it is, man. Hey, good luck to you, brother. Um, I have a feeling you'll you'll get on a good one. You always figure it out. Adaptability and figure out wherever you are. I'm gonna get hell. That's for sure, man. Well, go ahead and close out. Tell the you know, leave the people with a word of advice, and hopefully they can hear it. If not, then we'll just realize it wasn't meant to be for them to hear your advice. <laughs> Dude, hunting season's here. I mean, word of advice, man. Just have a good time. Remember why you're out there, whether it's a deer hunt, an elk hunt, mule deer hunt, a squirrel hunt. I don't give a shit what you're hunting. Remember why you're out there. Be out there for the right reasons. Enjoy yourself, and just freaking give it all you got. That's you don't, you know, you, it doesn't go as planned. I mean, honestly, it's better than a day of work any day. Can't uh, can't thank guys enough for comments, likes, support, followers, dude. I mean, it blows my mind every day how many guys honestly like actually give a shit about what I'm doing because truth be told, I'm not that big on social media half the time. I don't even give a shit about what I'm doing on there. I'd be doing all this whether there was Instagram or Facebook, but I absolutely love that, you know, people do read my stuff and comment and give me feedback and I appreciate the hell out of it, and I hope someday I get to buy each and every one of you a beer. Try to answer everybody's questions whenever I get to them, and, and I try to make sure I, you know, help out as many guys and gals as I can. And yeah, man, just appreciate the fuck out of everybody that supports this podcast and supports us. And hell yeah, man, just freaking uh, when you bend the limbs back this year, make it count. That's uh, I'm gonna sign it out like that. Cool. All right. Thanks everyone for listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Go out there and the fish are where you think they are. Any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.